Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's the Summa Cum Laude Draft, hosted by the Gridiron Scholar himself, John Lobb, and Fantrax. On with me, we have Mr. Nate Marquise, who participated in the draft with myself. We're going to be going through the first eight rounds in detail, then talking about the later rounds, kind of in the more general terms, and then we're going to break down our teams from the draft, let you know what we, what we think overall. All this and more, coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a pass! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. Again, appreciate you guys being patient with us and letting us release this on Wednesday morning rather than, you know, Memorial Day because we were all on vacation. Nate, you, uh, I saw your posted pictures over the weekend about having a good time. Speaking of which, uh, on today with us, we have special guest, Mr. Nate Marquise, who's been on the show a couple of times. He's one of the smartest guys in the CFF space. Nate, how are you doing, sir? How was your Memorial Day weekend? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, we we spent part of the weekend uh, potty training our daughters, so oh, uh, not not exactly the, the most riveting Memorial Day that you can have, but uh, outside of that, we enjoyed it. We got to hang out with some friends, uh, drank some beers, uh, really just enjoyed the weather. We got some really nice weather here in Kansas City. So uh, it was nice, man. It was a good Memorial Day. How about you? I went down with my family. We have a uh, lake house, a family lake house down at Lake Jordan, Alabama. So um, I haven't really been able to go down there uh, recently. So we all decided it was a good time just to go down there during Memorial Day weekend. So had a good relaxing time down there. Uh, to the point where I couldn't participate in a draft on a Sunday because I was so afraid that I wouldn't be, uh, I, w- I would just be so relaxed that I just wouldn't be paying attention to my phone and they would kick me out of it. Right. So, nice. again, it's been a good time. And again, really appreciate everybody kind of being patient with us and letting us release this a little bit later in the week for you guys. But again, we got a pretty full show for you guys today. Always happens whenever we break down a full mock draft for you guys. But again, so far this offseason, we've had some kind of major mocks that have kind of served as kind of like almost a um, checkpoint in terms of where experts are kind of feeling on the overall landscape of CFF. We had the first one back in February that we did, uh, which but if you go, I, I've been thinking about going back and looking at that and just seeing like how different that is compared to now. But even so, every year, the past several years, John Lobb has been putting together the Summa Cum Laude Draft. He brings together 12 different CFF experts right around this time every single year. It's always a grand old time. Usually, it's the first live draft that a lot of us do every single year. I would have loved to have done another live stream of it this year. But unfortunately, again, things just didn't quite work out that way uh, for because of Memorial Day weekend and everything. But if you haven't had the chance already, go check out um, JD Yonks. Uh, Yonk, Yonky? I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm messing that up. I think it's Yonky, but 
I could be right. But even so, go check out uh, JD Yonke, uh, Yonker CFB is his YouTube channel. He and Josh Chevalier, who we had on last week, uh, did a live stream together. I think they, they also had Nicholas Ian Allen as well, who joined them a little later. Great trio, guys. It was a fun time. Loved listening to that on the drive back after vacation. Absolutely awesome stuff. So, yeah, I guess, Nate, we just go ahead and hop right into this. We're going to break it down. The first eight rounds, I'm going to list out exactly who was taken in each round. And then once we're through those eight rounds, we're just going to talk about the back half of the draft. It was a 16-round draft. I guess I should probably go into that in a second about how it was all broken down and everything. But uh, we'll break down the second half. And then Nate and I are going to talk about our team's figure out whether our builds that we made out of it was something that we liked, if we think we can do better next time. We'll see how it goes. But even so, before we really get into that, you guys know my spiel. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, comment down below. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure you're following us. If you're listening, whether you are listening on the Campus Canton feed or you're listening to our own feed, always love to hear from you guys there, especially on those five-star reviews. Love it, love it, love it. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out the rest of the C2C family of podcasts. Again, you usually get us on Monday mornings, the Chase the Natty podcast with myself and whoever I bring on that week. On Tuesdays, you have the Campus Live, the Canton, or the college side of the flagship Campus Canton podcast. On Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate at 9.30 at night with Austin Nays, Chris Moxley, Felix Sharp, and Matthew Bruning, which is then released the next morning. On Thursdays, you get the Canton Bound podcast, which is the NFL side of the Campus Canton podcast flagship podcast and then on fridays you or excuse me also on thursdays you get the official with alpha fernandez a recruiting analytics podcast and he does some incredible interviews lately with some of the 2023 guys so if you haven't really gotten into the 2023 class yet absolutely check out those interviews some incredible stuff there from alfred and then finally check out the future freshman podcast hosted by brandon sanders and especially check out the latest episode where we did a cff dynasty freshman mock draft Probably one of my favorite shows that I've ever been able to guest on. Love it, love it, love it. Check it all out. Even so, let's go ahead and get into this mock draft. Uh, going real quickly here in terms of like how this is broken down. Again, 12 teams, 16 rounds. I believe it was two quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one DST. That's actually a little bit of a twist uh, compared to what the mocks. If you've been a part of my mock drafts and stuff like that. And even if you've been doing like Mike uh, Bainbridge's mock drafts and everything, typically you don't see DSTs uh, in the drafts this early. That was a little bit of a curveball thrown to us, which was fun. So we'll be able to analyze that a little bit here in terms of how we think about that landscape going forward. But even so, I say, did I miss anything, Nate, um, in terms of the rules or anything? Um, points? Six-point passing touchdowns. Yes, that is a very big thing uh, here. So you'll see quarterbacks kind of come off the board probably a little bit earlier than you would typically see in some of these mock drafts. Um, and then half-point PPR, I believe it was assumed. No tight end premium. All that good chat. Yep, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, by the way, everybody, I apologize. If I sound like I'm a little slower, it's because we're recording this much later at night than I typically do. So uh, you're, you're, you get to deal with Sleepy Jared tonight. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Even so... <laughs> let's go through this first round started off with a um kind of chalky for the most part jackson smith and jigba off with the first pick second pick was Bijan robinson third pick not cj stroud but caleb williams quarterback out of usc uh cj stroud then went off with the fourth pick fifth pick was travion henderson sixth pick was jameer gibbs seventh pick was deuce vaughn 
Eighth pick was Rasheen Ali. Ninth pick was A.T. Perry. Tenth pick was Jordan Addison, wide receiver at a USC. Eleventh pick was Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee. And the twelfth pick was quarterback out of Alabama, Bryce Young. So, Nate, I'm going to throw this to you first. Who surprised you in this round? And who do you think was, is worth talking about here? Probably my pick. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I had the third pick overall, so I was, I was pulling out of the three spot. Uh, so I was the one that actually drafted Caleb Williams. I know that if you've done uh, mock drafts or if you've been involved in best balls and stuff like that, you, you would generally see, um, you know, some combination in the top three involves JSN, uh, Bijan Robinson, and then either CJ Stroud, sometimes Travion Henderson. That's kind of what you tend to see there. Um, this was a situation where I kind of, I don't know, it was, I, I like the first two. I would have been happy if one of those two dropped to me. But this is a good example of I really don't want to be in that kind of pick three, four, five range because I'm not as high on Travion as some other people or even Jameer Gibbs to a certain degree. And so I was kind of torn with the idea, okay, am I am I going – I'm pretty much no matter what, I'm going to reach for my guy here because mm-hmm. my top quarterback is Caleb Williams. So I was just like, you know what, if I'm – if it's a six point, you know, scoring league, I'm, I'm going with the, I'm going to go with the QB here. And it was between hammer Stroud. And I actually prefer Caleb Williams over Stroud. So that was kind of my rationale behind it. But um, I mean, most of these other picks were pretty straightforward of what we tend to see as far as uh, some ADP, I would say maybe um, the bump of, of Jordan Addison going to USC was a little bit different. That's probably the first time I've seen him go in the first nine picks. Um, but he was kind of on that fringe anyways of the back end of the first round, early second round. So not a huge jump there, but those were probably two things that stood out to me. How about you? <coughs> I was just ready to talk. And <coughs> <coughs> I apologize to everyone on that. Anyway, my thoughts on this, Caleb Williams, I'm starting to come around to your mindset on Caleb Williams Nate, where again the situation just calls for that he is going to be he's like with a lot of these top school quarterbacks we're always afraid of them getting taken out early in games but from what it seems like USC is going to be having to keep him in the entire time because of how bad their defense is they're going to need him to score and because of that I did move Caleb Williams up as to my quarterback two ahead of Bryce Young and I think he is a little bit more valuable if it weren't for the fact that CJ Stroud and Ryan Day, Ryan Day's known for keeping in his starters much longer than you would typically assume with some of these um, teams that just constantly blow out their competition. If that wasn't the case, I probably would have moved Caleb Williams ahead of him as well. But I understand, like again, if you're if you're a believer in Caleb Williams, yeah, he doesn't. It does. It wouldn't surprise me to take him here in the top half of the first round. Jordan Addison to me is the more interesting thing here because. I assumed that he was probably going to stay in that like early second round range that he was going for Pittsburgh. And I thought his value, again, I thought he's going too high when he's at Pittsburgh. And I thought maybe people would realize that him moving to USC now warrants the value that he would get in that early second round. But between this draft, the Subakun La draft, and the two drafts that started for me this morning, one a best ball league and one a just CFF mock, all three of them, had Jordan Addison go off in the first round. If that's going to be the case going forward, I don't know if I'm going to have any Jordan Addison going forward. Um, 
Mostly because, again, that offense is going to have a ton of mouths to feed. Now, granted, they're going to throw the ball enough times that it probably may not matter. But I would rather go for another true alpha wide receiver here. Again, I would have taken Cedric Tillman or A.T. Perry over Jordan Addison there and then shoot for Mario Williams later in the draft, which I did in this draft. And I feel like I got a much better value out of that. Yeah, I'm with you. It's I think that it's it's an example with that transfer being announced that he's going to USC. It's almost created this synergistic effect where it it helps out both Caleb and Jordan Addison because of the landing spot. It's kind of it's it's I wrote about this in the uh, in the stock up report uh, post spring with JT Daniels going to West Virginia. Not only is that good for JT Daniels to be in that system, but it's also beneficial to those wide receivers. It's stock up a little bit to those wide receivers. I think Addison going to USC helps both his stock and it actually bumps Caleb up a, a little bit too. Just having that extra um, that extra weapon for him. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I think we can go ahead and move on to round two here. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, again, you see you see the list of names. Again, when we do the even rounds, you're going to have to go backwards on this. So I apologize for everybody for the confusion. But the first person taken in the second round, Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee, followed by Malik Cunningham, quarterback out of Louisville, followed by Braylon Allen, running back out of Wisconsin. Jermaine Burton, wide receiver out of Alabama, followed him. Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver out of Houston, followed him. The sixth pick in the second round was Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. Quentin Johnson was the seventh pick in that in the second round. Lou Nichols III was the eighth pick. Uh, Zach Charbonnet went off at the ninth pick in the second round. Joshua Downs was the tenth pick in the second round. Michael Meyer was the eleventh pick in the second round. And Tavion Thomas, running back out of Utah, was the final pick in the second round. So I guess I'll go first here. And the two people that stood out to me are the two guys right here in the middle of the draft, one of which I fell too far, and one of whom I think is finally people are just giving him the value that he deserves. First of all, Xavier Worthy falling to the middle of the second round was crazy to me. I, I picked him. I did yeah. not expect to see Xavier Worthy make it back to me in the second round. I was blown away. Because I thought, like, once... Addison announced that he was going to USC and not to Texas. I thought that was solidified for the rest of the offseason that Xavier Worthy would be a first-round pick in almost every mock that you would see. It and then yeah. I was so I was blown away when he made the second round. The second person I want to talk about here, Quentin Johnson, wide receiver out of TCU. I was too low on him at the beginning of the offseason. I have come around on him to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter who the quarterback at TCU is. That was my major drawback. I'm like, I don't trust the quarterback situation. It doesn't matter. Sonny Dykes is going to be able to feed Quentin Johnson. And I think if Quentin Johnson continues to ride here in the second round going forward, he is finally in the tier that he belongs. I always thought it was kind of crazy that I could almost expect to see him fall to me in the third round of a lot of these mock drafts. So who kind of stood out to you here, Nate? And what do you think about Worthy and Quentin Johnson? Uh, I, I think you you absolutely nailed it on Worthy. I was I was sitting there and I was watching pick after pick go by. I was like, holy crap! I think Jared's actually going to get Xavier Worthy right here. Like it just <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, I um, I thought that was great value for you there in the second round, sixth pick in the second round, incredible value. Uh, real quick on Quentin Johnson, I'm with you. He was somebody that I was hoping would slide just a few more picks back to me because he was. 
the top wide receiver that I had on my board uh, right there. So, um, yeah, I mean, his his value, I, I think, is pretty insulated, even though the quarterback play may be questionable there. I mean, it doesn't look like Tanner Mordecai is going to end up there. We're getting kind of late in the game. I mean, maybe there's a, a midsummer change there, but probably not. But if he does, I mean, all of a sudden we're probably talking about Quentin Johnston then being in that tier of, with, you know, the A.T. Perrys, the Tillmans, the Worthies, the Addisons. He's, he kind of yep. jumps up to that tier. Um, it, the only other one that stood out to me is, uh, is, is Michael Meyer coming off uh, in the second, towards the end of the second round here. Um, he came, this is probably, I think this is the first, maybe the second draft I've seen him go ahead of Bowers. Um, but as we'll see, uh, he actually went quite a bit ahead of Bowers. Uh, so probably, probably the biggest gap I've seen between uh, the two tight ends of the drafts that I've done. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And so one of the mocks that I've been doing today hasn't made it this far, so I can't comment on that. But the best ball that you and I are in, Nate, today also saw Meyer go ahead of Bowers. So I think it is possible now that we are seeing Meyer overtake Bowers as the tight end one going forward. I made this change in my CFF rankings not too long ago because, again, the resurgence of Eric Gilbert is cause for enough concern, I would say, to say that you can't solidify. I, I and Bowers is still my tight end, too. I still think he's going to smash this year, absolutely. But the fact that he doesn't even have that room all to himself anymore, I think is enough to warrant to say that we need to bump him down just a little bit. And I don't. I disagree with like what this mock says, and you kind of touched on this, Nate, where like Meyer's now in this tier of his own because Bowers fell back. I never really understood the idea of going up and reaching for May or Meyer and Bowers in the second and third round when you could find Koontz, Trigg, Eurosec many, many rounds later. And I kind of mentioned to this to Nate before we got started. I really think that top tier tight ends with Bowers and Meyer and the next tier of Koontz and Trigg are starting to kind of come together. And you're going to probably see those four guys kind of go off in that fourth, fifth round range, pretty much going forward. I think the top two guys are fading back a little bit. Those other two guys are kind of jumping up a little bit. And there's your top tier of tight ends right there. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think I think that's a good assessment on on kind of the, the uh, change that we're starting to see with the tight ends now. All righty, I think that covers round two. Let's go ahead and get into round three. Round three, first pick off the board, Miles Price, wide receiver out of Texas Tech. Next up was Jordan Mims, running back out of Fresno State. Third pick was Dwayne McBride, running back out of UAB. Fourth pick was Will Shipley, running back out of Clemson. Fifth pick was Sam Hartman, quarterback out of Wake Forest. Sixth pick was Sean Tucker, running back out of Syracuse. Seventh pick was Marvin Harrison, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Eighth pick, Dylan Gabriel, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Ninth pick was Rushy Rice, wide receiver out of SMU. Tenth pick was Will Rogers, quarterback out of Mississippi State. The eleventh pick was Marvin Mims, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. And the twelfth pick was Kayshawn Butte, wide receiver out of LSU. That covers the third round. Nate, you are up first, sir. Which, which players kind of stood out to you here in the third round? I don't, I don't think that there's anything uh, of this third round that stands out a ton to me outside of if you take a look at 
at Kayshawn uh, Boutte being the last pick here in this round. Uh, no matter where he goes, um, he's a little bit of a polarizing player right now in, in some of the risk that's maybe um, that he carries. You could make an argument, uh, no matter what, where he's taken of, of being higher. If, if he plays all of his games and he plays to his ability and he's healthy, then he's obviously of value at the end of a third round. Um, but with that risk that comes with him, um, you know, I'm just not 100% sold that everything's going smoothly there at LSU. I'm not not sure how healthy he's going to be. This could be a pick that you could uh, that you could regret, you know, four or five games into the season or the other way around. If he does play well and things don't go well for LSU and he decides to uh, just kind of sit out the the last few games of the year, that's probably not great either. So just, oh, yeah. there's just some, there's some inherited risks there with, with Butte, I would say. To me, the thing that stuck out from this round, and this is like something I just remember from the draft. This is where I felt the squeeze of the six point passing touchdowns because I was used to the idea that I could get a guy like Will Rogers, Dylan Gabriel slipping into the fourth round or even Quinn Ewers, who I did end up getting in the fourth round, but like I would, I, as soon as I saw Dylan and Dylan Gabriel, Will Rogers go off in succession here in the third round, I was legitimately scared that I wasn't going to be able to get a quarterback in that tier for me, because uh, that's what I was hoping to get in the fourth round. Um, so this is where I think quarterbacks started going off a little bit earlier, in my opinion, because uh, again, Dylan Gabriel, I'm looking at my ADP right now, doesn't typically go off until about the fifth round. Will Rogers is a early fourth round guy Quinn Ewers Sam Hartman they're late third round guys but again they're going up a little bit earlier here yeah. compared to some of the other ones because again like you don't have to worry about the um rushing versus passing touchdowns anymore they're all worth the same the other person that stuck out to me here was Sean Tucker typically you see Sean Tucker go off in the second round uh and again he's another guy that like like worthy that like all of a sudden I just was like okay is he just flying under the radar here just people aren't really thinking about him because I thought I was going to I legitimately thought I was going to be able to get him there at the 3-7 I ended up taking Marvin Harrison Jr. which you take Ohio State wide receiver especially on the outside I don't think I've really looked back on that but even still like that's another name that kind of stuck out to me I I thought your Harrison pick was great he was actually whenever I took Josh Downs in the end of the second round um, it was between Downs and Harrison if I was going to be going wide receiver there. So I like the value that you got uh, with Harrison. Um, yeah, Tucker's one of those guys that uh, some people are probably a little bit higher on him than I am. Um, but for me, this is this is about where I think he should be going. Yeah. But I know, but I but I definitely um, I would say I, I don't know if I've seen him last past the second round in any draft that I've been in. So yeah, this was. Uh, this was getting pretty good value that uh, the Eric Froton got right there. Yeah, no, it was, um, I've never been excited to take Sean Tucker in the second round. I don't think I ever did. But like when I saw him still there in the third round, it is kind of amazing how just a round of difference can be, especially kind of this early on. As soon as I saw him still available there in the third round, I was actually starting to get giddy. I'm like, oh, I could get a pretty good value here, like in my opinion. So it's kind of yeah, what's up to me. Okay. Yeah, you. I was just gonna say, just looking at the at the draft board, those first three picks for Eric Froton, Jameer Gibbs, Quentin Johnston, Sean Tucker. Um, that's a really that's a really a uh, nice start to that draft. Yeah, I'd be very happy if those are my first three three rounds. Especially if it's a PPR league, those three are gonna get a ton of volume. Especially those two running backs. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty, let's go ahead and get up into the fourth round here. Again, remember we're going backwards. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. 
The first pick of the fourth round was Devin A-Chain, running back out of Texas A&M. Second pick was Cameron Ward, quarterback out of Washington State. Third pick, Zach Evans, running back out of Ole Miss. Fifth pick, or excuse me, fourth pick, Kamar Wheaton, running back out of SMU. Fifth pick, Jaden Reed, wide receiver out of Michigan State. Sixth pick, Quinn Ewers, quarterback out of Texas, not Ohio State. Fix that, fan tracks. Uh, seventh pick, Brock Bowers, tight end out of UGA. Uh, eighth pick was Stephon Cobbs, wide receiver out of Boise State. Ninth pick was Chris Rodriguez, running back out of Kentucky. Tenth pick, Dante Cephas, wide receiver out of Kent State. Eleventh pick, Blake Corum, running back out of Michigan. And the fi- lo- final pick, John Reese Plumley, quarterback out of UCF. All right, things. my turn to kind of point out things that stick out to me. And there's a couple of people who stick out to me here. I definitely think there's a couple of early my guys kind of taken here. Because I've not seen Kamar Wheaton go off in the fourth round in any mock that I have seen. And granted, the upside is there. The Rhett Lashley offense at SMU has produced some pretty great running backs for us over the past couple of years. And Kamar Wheaton is a former five-star. Even if you necessarily don't believe in, in his like NFL upside... He still has a ton of talent, and he's going to an easier conference that doesn't exactly play the toughest of defenses. So I can understand that one. Uh, John Rice Plumley in the fourth round. Go, again, upside is there. I don't necessarily know if I would have taken him this high. And then, again, we kind of see Brock Bowers goes off here in the fourth round. That's pretty much a round and a half after where Michael Meyer went off again, like to me, that just kind of shows that where Michael Meyer was taken here in this, in this mock at the very least was not a necessarily great value because he probably could have waited until this fourth round before other people started taking off tight ends off the board. As far as I can tell other people, again, I'm not a big believer in Zach Evans at Ole Miss. Again, I know we like, we love the offense there, but I also don't, trust the fact that they clearly are going to limit his workload he's not going to be this workhorse back there so i don't think we're going to be able to get that um but pretty much every uh, pretty much everybody else here just strikes me as like yeah this seem, these seem like guys that would go off in the fourth round nate anybody kind of stick out to you or you want to comment on any of the guys that i pointed out yeah i think uh, unlike the third round i think this fourth round things got really interesting i think uh there was a lot of uh, a lot of moves where everybody uh, things had kind of been running along pretty pretty norm, following ADP pretty well, and then all of a sudden things kind of got pretty wild here. Um, I thought your Quinn Ewers um, pick there was good value. I really like that pick. Um, I'm with you, JRP. I mean, I think this makes him QB 11 in this draft, uh, which seems a little steep for me. I like his upside, but. Um, in a six point um, in a six point league for passing TDs, his value uh, gets gets diminished a little bit in my eyes. Um, so that would concern me. Chris Rodriguez coming off this high in the fourth round when we when we've heard you know some rumors that maybe he he misses at least a couple of games would be a little a little concerning for me. Uh, that just seems a bit high, you know. I'm 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 with you on Zach Evans. I just 
I'm probably not going to be comfortable taking him until somewhere around the sixth or seventh round, which means I'm not going to have any Zach Evans shares because mm-hmm. he's, he's just going off before that. Yeah. As far as Kamar Wheaton going in the fourth round here, he's one, he's definitely one of Josh um, Chevalier's guys. He's, he's actually been taking him in, in the fourth to fifth round in a, in a number of drafts. So that was, uh, that actually did not surprise me very much there. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Sometimes you just pick a guy and you you ride with him regardless of what everybody else is doing, which again, yeah. jo- Josh is an extremely smart guy. He kicked all of our butts in best balls last year, so right. who are we to so. judge him? Uh, <laughs> the other thing I'll point out here, um, again, you see a guy like Cameron Board, six-point passing touchdowns. Normally, he's going off at the end of the fifth round. Here he is going off at the beginning of the fourth. Maybe that's a rise in his ADP overall going on here because, again, I think we're all trying to get sold on the idea of the potential for Cameron board and that offense there at Washington state. But also I think there's definitely a little bit of a bump there because of the passing touchdown bump as well. So let's go ahead and get into the fifth round here. And we start off the fifth round with gyro Brock running back out of Iowa state followed by him or following him Zakari Franklin wide receiver out of UTSA Tyrese Chambers, wide receiver out of Florida International, followed by Jalen Cropper, wide receiver out of Fresno State. Dontavian Wicks, wide receiver out of Virginia, follows him. Jaden Bray, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, comes off the board. Michael Trigg, tight end out of Ole Miss, comes off the board. Grayson McCall, quarterback out of Coastal Carolina, comes off the board. Donovan Edwards, running back out of Michigan, comes off the board. Bailey Zappi didn't come off the board here. This is a placeholder for Chris Thornton. Wide receiver out of James Madison, followed by Tank Bigsby, running back out of Auburn. And then finally, the round wraps up with Nicholas Singleton, freshman running back, true freshman running back out of Penn State. That's the one that I think is the, I don't want to call it, again, I don't want to call it a reach per se, but like, I'm okay with the idea of people taking shots on freshmen in a CFF draft, especially if you think there's a path for them to take over. Nicholas Singleton, to me, clearly fits that idea. My problem is you're in the sixth round here. You're still taking starters, people you project to be starters for your team, and you don't take a risk like that on a freshman this early, in my opinion. And I think John, again... Um, I think John Lobb could have waited here a little bit longer in terms of because um, I don't think there's really a lot of other people who are, wait, who are really looking to take Nicholas Singleton this highly. Now you get into the round eight, round nine range. I think you start seeing some people who might be starting to itching to pick up the upside there. But that, that one kind of stuck out to me. I took my boy Michael Trigg here. I later would say maybe there wasn't as great of value because uh, we'll see that Zach Kuntz, who I consider kind of in the same tier, went off two rounds later. So I would say that maybe I reached a little bit for him here, but I I have it on pretty good authority that Trigg would not have made it back to me in the sixth round. So again, I love Trigg. I've been hyping him up all season, so I'm happy to get him here. Um, The the run of wide receivers there, again, outside of Dontavian Wicks, I like all of them. Uh, Zakari Franklin, Tyrese Chambers, Jalen Cropper, three great group of five wide receivers, especially if you're able to grab them as your second wide receivers. I think they're all great. 
And then Jaden Bray kind of went a little bit earlier in this mock than I've been kind of seeing him go. See if I can find him on my ADP. He's usually somebody that I think people sometimes a lot of people just kind of forget about sometimes. If that makes sense, which is kind of crazy because you think the Oklahoma State wide receiver one would be off the board, yeah. but yeah, that that one that one kind of opened my eyes a little bit um, because I did not expect him to come off the board quite that early. Uh, I get it. I mean, who doesn't want a piece of the uh, the boundary wide receiver in a uh, in a Mike Gundy offense? They've been uh, very fruitful uh, for CFF owners for sure. Um, it's just a little bit earlier than where I'd seen Jaden Bray go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you, Nick Singleton. Uh, the kid's talent is is off the charts. Um, he's he's got a lot. Uh, I mean, they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year he's the guy there. But I mean, who's to say it doesn't take him, you know, three or four games to get going? Mm-hmm. And we we still don't know how he is as far as a pass catcher. He didn't catch the ball much. Wasn't asked to catch the ball much at a high school. We don't know how he is as far as a pass blocker. So not only could we see him get off to a little bit of a slow start, but if he doesn't, you know, perform well in those areas, that could also keep him off the field some. So, yeah, just a little bit. If that's going to be your RB2, um, that, you know, if that were that were your RB2 going into a league, that's that that kind of make you worry a little bit, I would think. Um, but, yeah, the rest of them, the rest of them look. Uh, pretty straightforward. I, I don't know that it was necessarily a big reach on Michael Trigg there. Uh, I think a couple other people in the league would have been pretty happy with him in that spot. But I would say those were the two that that kind of stood out. I, I will say, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people are, are pretty interested in in what's going on in James Madison and, and Thornton there. Uh, that may be a little bit even too early for me uh, mm-hmm. with him. So, but I mean, this is, this is kind of a follow-up on the last round. You're kind of getting into the part where things are starting to separate and people yeah. are kind of have their guys and you're starting to see some variation um, from previous drafts kind of take place here around rounds four or five. And that's kind of what's separating this year in terms of like all these mocks and everything from kind of from years past. Like, I think there's some consensus on like the tiers, but in terms of like, there's just not a ton of overall consensus uh xavier and i were actually talking about this a little bit earlier where in the mock draft that i'm running today cj shroud went off first pick but in the best ball that you and i are doing nate cj shroud went off as the 12th pick in the first round like a very tail end of the first round almost made it into the second round so there's art there's just a kind of a wide variety of where guys are being taken this year is like you can't really look at some of these players and say like, oh, that's a definite guy I can get in the fourth round because people aren't afraid this year to reach up and go get their guys, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes you got to just play play for your guys. You want to have guys on your team that you want to root for. So, Yeah, I'm with you. All right, I think that's good. Let's go ahead and get into the second or sixth round here. Starting off in the sixth round, we got Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. You got Dejon Stribling, wide receiver out of Washington State. Titus Swin, wide, or running back out of Wyoming. Ontario Brown, running back out of Northern Illinois. Parker Washington, wide receiver out of Penn State. Running back out of UCF, Isaiah Bowser. Wide receiver, Mac Hippenhammer out of Miami of Ohio. Running back, Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina. Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky, comes off the board here. Chris Smith, running back out of Louisiana, comes off the board. 
Tavian Robinson, wide receiver out of Kentucky, comes off as the 11th pick in this round. And then the round finishes up with Kanata Mumfield, wide receiver out of Pittsburgh. So a couple names stick out to me here. Those first three wide receivers, Zay Flowers, Dejon Stripling, Parker Washington, I think are all being taken a little too early here. Um, definitely strikes me as a, if I see those guys coming off the board, typically tells me that, okay, we're in a range that of wide receivers where I could probably wait a little bit and probably still get some value. I do like the back half a little bit better. I like Matt Kippenhammer. Tavian Robinson, wide receiver out of Kentucky. I think he's going to be a volume machine here. The one I'll point out really here is Kanata Mumfield, wide receiver out of Pittsburgh. So obviously Addison leaves. It, it leaves a big receiving hole for that Pittsburgh offense kind of going forward. Nate, do you see Kanata Mumfield kind of sticking here in the sixth round? Or do you see this more as like, Somebody kind of took him just a little bit too early. What do you think? I haven't seen him go quite this early, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not, I mean, obviously there's, I, I, I've tweeted about this. I think that there's, there's definitely a bump that he receives by Addison moving on. I think he, he definitely benefits from that. Somebody's going to have to catch the ball there in, in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know that it's, a great passing offense by any stretch. Uh, we saw what uh, Signetti did at, at, at Boston College the last couple of years, and Zay Flowers was okay and consistent, but had his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Zay Flowers has done, or you know, the last couple of years, Mumfield could come close to some of those numbers. So um, I don't hate it, um, but I, it's not a guy that I would take at that spot, to be honest. No, absolutely fair enough. Uh, some of the running backs coming off here kind of strike me as like the safer running back picks. Like these strike me as the, like at least it, how I viewed it. Like I took Isaiah Bowser in this round. Isaiah Bowser to me has become my kind of press in case of emergency pick where if I don't like how my running back room kind of shook out early, I can grab him here typically in the sixth, even seventh round sometimes where what was that i was just thinking i was just thinking it's funny that you that you did that because i took chris smith in this round and he's my press uh in case of emergency <laughs> running back like the, he he feels the just the exact same way you describe bowser is how i think of chris smith and i think of titus swin kind of the same way as well like those are three guys that like if you if they're consistently here in the sixth round like absolutely like you know they're high floor guys i don't necessarily know if they're going to be home run hitters week in and week out but they'll get you 16 17 points each and every week and you just kind of call it a day and you don't have to really worry about them busting each week so yeah yeah i'm with you i noticed tavion tavion robinson of kentucky got taken in this round i feel like and maybe it's just me but i feel like over the last few weeks it seems like he's actually risen up a little bit yeah, and I, and I don't know. I'd like to get your thoughts on. It. I don't know why exactly that is. What? What? Why do we like him now more today than we did say a month ago? I think it's because we're starting to get more and more confirmation that he is the quote taking the Wandale role. Um, I think that is the thing that's kind of sparked people's interest on it because Wandale finished last year as a wide receiver sixteen right. in CFF, and he's going to take on that Wandale role. We don't know entirely what they mean by that. It could mean that he is 
just going to be used all over the field. It could be that they're just going to pepper him with targets constantly, like Wandale was last year. Wandale got like 12 targets in the game against Georgia last year. Something just absolutely insane. Uh, are they going to utilize him in creative ways? Not, a lot to be excited about there. And then obviously Javon Baker kind of uh, turns out not transferring to Kentucky. I think yeah. just provides think, a little, provides yeah, a so little I don't, bit more. I don't more. think Baker's any good anyways, though. So I, I don't... That doesn't for me. That didn't that didn't move the needle very much. So I yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's potential in that in that spot. I was just wondering if there was something maybe I was missing that was leading to him getting a, a bit, little bit of a bump lately. Uh, by the way, um, this is a little bit off topic, but again, we talked about Chris Rodriguez earlier, and Nate and I talked about before the show. He's fallen quite a bit in the best ball league that Nate and I are doing right now. Nate, he just went off the board at thirteen two. A little bit different from from where he's he's gone in the last. Just a little uh, few bit drafts. different, but honestly, like he, coming back on the thirteenth round, I was thinking about taking a shot on him because, like, yeah, he might miss some of those like big games early on and everything, but like, yeah, you know, thirteenth round, why not take a shot on him? Anyway, yeah. little off topic. Let's go ahead and get into the seventh round. I believe we're heading into here, and the seventh round starts off with Tory Horton, wide receiver out of Colorado State. You got Nathaniel Pete, running back out of Mizzou. You got Braden Bennett, running back out of Coastal Carolina. Brad Roberts, running back out of Air Force. Brennan Armstrong, running back out of running back, excuse me, quarterback out of Virginia. Byron Cardwell, running back out of Oregon. Garrett Schrader, quarterback out of Syracuse. Dominic Richardson, quarterback. Golly. See, y'all, y'all get tired, Jared, tonight. So he's gonna mess up all, <laughs> all the positions. Dominic Richardson, running back out of Oklahoma State. Zach Koontz comes off the board, tight end out of Old Dominion. Aiden O'Connell, quarterback out of Purdue, comes off the board. Travis Dye, running back out of USC. And Raheem Sanders, running back out of Arkansas, all come off the board. So, Nate, it is your turn, sir. Who are the guys that kind of stick out to you in this round? So, as I'm looking at it, this round as a whole is... The almost like I would call it like the running back upside round. Like, yes. The, so we, we've got Nathaniel Pete at Missouri, uh, Braden Bennett, Coastal, Byron Cardwell, Richardson, Die, and Sanders. Now, Roberts is Brad Roberts at, at Air Force. We know he's got the job. We know he's not a high ceiling guy, but he's a he's, he's a very, has, very high floor guy. He's another one of those break in case of emergency yeah. running backs. Absolutely. The rest of those guys are in a situation where they are in really, really nice running back systems. Uh, if they get the job and they get the bulk of it, they could blow up. And they, this could be really good value for any of those guys we just named. Oh, yeah. I love, I love the value that 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 we're seeing here with Cardwell and Richardson, even even Nathaniel Pete. Like, I think those are all really good values in this range. Is where they should be going. They're the type that I think that they they could pay off very well for somebody that takes them in this range right here. And they could also, I mean, they also have the issue of of uh, of maybe not performing or the system doesn't turn out with the new coaching staff as well, you know, for Cardwell or Die or whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, guys like Bra- like Braden Bennett have huge upside if they can get you know sixty five to seventy percent of the workload. Same thing with Raheem Sanders. Yep. Big upside. Got to get the workload, though. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my big problem with some of these guys who are kind of coming off here with Travis Dye, Raheem Sanders, and Brady Bennett is that we've seen 
these coaching staffs kind of shift towards a running back by committee kind of approach in the past, especially Arkansas and Coastal Carolina as well. And Coastal Carolina, like they run the ball enough that they can have two guys that perform well for your CFF week in and week out. Um, but even still, like there's definitely like some risks there. But again, when Braden Bennett was going off in like the fourth, fifth round, I was like, no way am I taking him this high. Going in the seventh round, I'm going to like some of these guys with the upside. I'm definitely more comfortable kind of taking them right around this spot as well. Let me ask you this, Nate, because you're a big fan of this guy as well. And I want to ask you, because I've been seeing Garrett Schrader. He was in that like second tier quarterbacks that would kind of come off around the fourth, fifth round, kind of earlier this summer. But now he's falling into like the seventh to the ninth round range in a couple of mocks and stuff that I've been doing recently. What do you think is kind of causing that? And do you think it's warranted? Um, So we didn't get to see him perform in the spring game. That probably didn't help. The fact that he was, uh, they held him out due to injury. He pulled his, now I will say the word is, is that he pulled his hamstring on a 70 yard touchdown run in uh, in an earlier scrimmage. So um, I don't know that not seeing him in the spring game would affect me that much. But uh, so I, I think that may be part of it. Um, the fact that the backup QB performed very well, Lamson, they just got Del Rio in from Florida. That that may have some people with a little bit of kind of uh, some cold feet on him. Outside of that, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say in this format where it's six point passing touchdowns, I would say his kind of like JRP, mm-hmm. his his ceiling then kind of um, gets knocked down a notch or two just because uh, of that scoring system. Outside of that, um, I think it's just preference. Some people like me are comfortable um, with the risk that comes with Garrett Schrader. There's a lot of other people that say he can't throw a forward pass normally. I have no interest in a quarterback that can't do that. And I get it. I get it. Yeah, I I definitely get it. Because, again, I've just seen him drop in a couple of boxes I've done recently – and I, I picked them up and I think two out of the last three that I've done. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, am I missing something here? Uh, a huge shout out to Josh Chevalier here, though, about him uh, picking up Zach Koontz. Again, I pointed out the fact that I consider him the same tier as Michael Trigg. And he got him two rounds after Michael Trigg went off the board at tight end. And I think it was in this next round, the eighth round, that you start seeing more of the tight ends start coming off the board and everything. So I think grabbing Koontz right before all the rest of them come come off great value there um yeah. anybody else here stick out to me again i pointed out the fact that brad roberts is another one of those great uh break case, break in case of emergency running backs yeah tory horton colorado state this is kind of something i've been kind of back and forth on myself recently of like are we going after the right wide receiver here at colorado state i think tory horton has become like the safest guy that we can get in that system because he's an outside receiver. He's going to get the start. And then Melquan Stovall and Dante Wright, whoever gets that starting slot job is going to be incredible for CFF. But I think it's one of those things where we just aren't quite sure how that's breaking down. Am I talking crazy here, Nate, or is that how you're kind of feeling about it as well? No, I think he's in that same category as the running backs that are in this round where he's in a really, really nice system. And if he's the one that gets, um, you know, if he's the one that gets the target, the, the higher target share, then then he's going to blow up. Uh, but there's also some inherited risks there uh, that you're that you're taking on with him and that there's also a chance he's the wide receiver three on that team. You know, Very um, I, 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 I think. 
I think safe to say he will be their top boundary wide receiver. I think the battle then comes down to Dante Wright and Melquan Stovall for the inside positions. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm with you. I think as far as those three, I think he's the safest of the three and his ceiling honestly might be higher than the other two. So I, I'm good with this value right here. I, I think it's a pretty good pick. All righty. Let's go ahead and talk about the last round. We're going to kind of break down in detail here. It's the eighth round and Starting off the eighth round, Muhammad Ibrahim, running back out of Minnesota, comes off the board. Benjamin Eurosek, tight end out of Stanford, comes off the board. Tyrone Tracy, wide receiver out of Purdue, comes off the board. Tanner Mordecai, quarterback out of SMU, comes off the board. Jacob Cowling, wide receiver out of Arizona. Mario Williams, wide receiver out of USC, off the board. Jake Heiner, quarterback out of Fresno State, was seventh pick here. Marquez Cooper, running back out of Kent State, comes off the board. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, comes off the board. Colin Schley, quarterback out of Kent State, comes off the board. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, quarterback out of UCLA, comes off the board. And the round finishes up with running back out of UTSA, Ty Edwards. Nate, you said last round was the high upside running back round. I am seeing the high upside QB round here especially in that run of Anthony Richardson, Colin Schley, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson and their potential rushing ability going forward. That is kind of what sticks out to me here. Muhammad Ibrahim coming off the board here, I think, is more reasonable to a lot of people. Again, we started off the offseason where some people were taking Muhammad Ibrahim off in the second and third round. He's fallen since then. Because people realize that that injury might be a little bit more gruesome than they were kind of expecting. But I think it's still fair to say that he seems like, again, all available reports that he'll be back for this season. Probably not get back to 30 carries a game. But he'll still be a pretty nice value here. Probably get into the 20-25 range of carries per game. So he won't be the absolute beast he was for CFF. But I think... Down here, if you if that's what you expect out of him, between him, Trayshawn Potts, and Zach Evans uh, behind him and everything, pretty good value here. And then I mentioned earlier, I grabbed Mario Williams in this round. Again, I think it's a much better value, in my opinion, than grabbing Jordan Addison all the way up in the first round. Because I could easily see those guys being within 10 receptions of each other by the end of the year. And there's a 7-round difference in ADP for them, at least for this draft. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I will. I'll kind of disagree. I'll, I'll a little bit with you on all on uh, Mario Williams. I'll kind of lean into that for a second. Um, I think, and, and I've kind of seen this in some drafts since the rumors became that Addison was heading to USC. I saw Williams' value decline, and I, and I think rightfully so. The idea that he could be the wide receiver one uh, in that offense is pretty enamoring the idea of being wide receiver two, not quite as uh, appealing and so he was kind of going in this this eight to nine round range before the Addison stuff happened so and I've seen him go kind of in the 12 to 15 round range so I thought maybe this was a little early for you to go Mario Williams this is probably the first pick that you made that I was like huh that one that one I probably wouldn't have done but um Outside of that, this round, yeah, I mean, obviously people are kind of staking their claim on some of their uh, some of their quarterbacks. You could you could even throw Tanner Mordecai in that group sure. of of high end um, potential quarterbacks here. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think any of those quarterbacks that were taken, Richardson, Schley, DTR, Mordecai, I think all of those are um, are right in this round eight range is is pretty fair um, given their their upside. So, and and I'm with you on Ibrahim, uh, Mo Mo Ibrahim. I mean, I think once we get into this range, then yeah, okay. Now now the risk of of his injury of potentially not getting 30 carries a game like he was before he went down like those it it now makes it a little bit more worth it in my mind yeah and i could I, I definitely get your point on mario williams again like this is starting to get to the range where i was like this is where like i've been trying to do my best with because i do a ton of mocks and i do a ton of like different drafts and stuff like that i don't want to be somebody that takes the same people over and over again yeah because i just don't want to get into that habit and so, like, this is where I started to kind of think to myself, I'm like, I'm like all right, I'm going to, because I typically was off Mario Williams for the most part, but we were kind of getting to the range of where I was taking him. Typically, I would find somebody else. I would convince myself to take him over. But I'm like, you know what? Go, like, reach out of the pocket here a little bit. I'm going to go for Mario Williams. Um, yeah. Let's see, you took Colin Schley as your second quarterback. Yeah. And you took Tyler Shuck and Logan Bonner in the later rounds. I just want to point out to you, Nate, that I thought your quarterback room was probably one of the best in the draft. Cause I yeah. love like, first of all, Tyler Shuck, I, I put out a tweet this morning where I, I feel like the Texas tech quarterback battle is starting to feel a little bit kind of like how Bryce young and Mac Jones felt back in 2020, where everybody just kind of started convincing themselves that it was inevitable that the younger, more talented guy was going to take over. And yeah. thus, you were kind of off of the guy who's going to start week one. But nobody ever really considered the fact of like, well, what happens if the guy who starts week one just performs well and never gives right. up the job? So if that's the case, Tyler Shuck is an insane value in the 13th round. I guess we can go, I could take that as a, a segue over into just on YouTube. You guys can see the rest of the eight rounds there we're going to kind of talk about different guys but again i'll talk about tyler shuck there in the 13th round that to me is just getting to be insane value and then jared dougie the quarterback for western kentucky i put him him as my sleeper for the summa cum laude article which by the way if you haven't read that already go check it out on fan tracks john lob did an awesome job with it but i put jared dougie as like the guy who's going to be a weekly starter uh after the eighth round because again it's the same system there you don't need a great quarterback if the volume is there. And at the very least, yeah, he may not have the upside of like Bailey Zappi, who is a perfect, perfect fit for that system. But the volume there is going to be more than enough for you to rely on week to week in terms of just a low floor guy. And he'll provide you some weeks where you're going to love having him on your starting roster. Again, lots of, again, quarterback to me, it's just insane how deep it is this year. Like I kind of talked about it early on in the offseason where I'm like, oh yeah, quarterback's like the deeper, but like, the later and later we get into this offseason and everything, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe some of the guys I'm able to get this year this late in quarterbacks. What, are, what do you think overall about like the later half of this draft and just drafting late in general, Nate? So there was, I'll, I'll point out a few that stood out to me that I was just like, okay, um, I think that was really good value. And then there was a couple that, that I think were, were less value. And I, I won't look at anything on, on my team or your team, just because I know that we're going to um, quickly run through those here in a little bit. But um, so one that kind of stood out was 
Uh, Sam Pinckney, which I think John got in the 13th round. I thought that was really good. I've been seeing him go a little bit earlier than that. And if, if what we're hearing is true, that he's the wide receiver one there at Coastal, man, that's, that's a nice spot to have. I mean, we're talking about that's John's like wide receiver six, five, fifth or six. That's really nice because um, they lose a lot of production, obviously, sure. with um, Highlight and uh, Isaiah likely moving on. There's some, there's a lot of targets to be had, and that's an extremely efficient uh, passing offense. So um, there's opportunity for him, even if he doesn't get a hundred targets, even if he gets, you know, to 50, 55 catches. Uh, that's a really good value as your wide receiver five or six there. Um, that one stood out both of uh, both of the Maryland wide receivers. I felt like went a little bit earlier than what I would be comfortable taking them at uh, Dante Demas went at the 10th round uh, and Jarrett went in the 11th round. Uh, they, they, they weren't, they were only separated by about five or six picks. I get that that's a nice offense, but Demas with some injury issues Um Rakeem Jarrett, I just think just has been underwhelming whenever he's had the opportunity Copeland coming in there. He looked really nice in the spring. I just think that um, I would be more comfortable waiting on those guys a little bit later. I'll plug uh, my, uh, I'll plug my sleeper here for the article as well. Cause I listed Jacob Copeland as my sleeper oh, yeah. for, for CFF. Was I he didn't taken? I, I didn't take him here because, again, I was avoiding guys that I normally take, and I had taken Jacob Copeland near the end of some of these drafts right around this range in the past, so I was trying to take different guys. But I heavily considered him at this point. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's going much later than Rakeem Jarrett or Dante Dimas, right. and to me, has almost even better shot at taking over as the wide receiver one in terms of just, like, not having the wide rece- not having the injury history that Dimas has not having the not living up to his potential that Raheem Jarrett has. And the fact that, again, I just think he's a, just a good overall wide receiver, just hasn't had the greatest of situations around him the last couple of years. I think he's a perfect fit at Maryland. I could easily see him vastly outperforming his ADP going forward. And again, like you said, I'll take him over, over Demas or Raheem Jarrett at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Um... But other than that, as far as anything that, that really stood out to me, uh, I, I would just say I like, I really, really like the uh, Joshua Simon uh, pick that Dwight made as far as his tight end. He was, uh, he was somebody that I actually had queued up there in round 14 to be my, my tight end. I kind of waited, and he's, he's a, a tight end that I'll, that I'll wait on and I feel pretty good about. So I really oh, yeah. like that. I really like that pick. Uh, there towards the end. I thought that was solid. I'll point out that our, our guy, Trey Palmer, wide receiver out of Nebraska, he's starting to he's starting to appear more and more in uh, mock drafts. Seems like consensus is kind yeah. of building around him as the potential heir apparent to the Mark Whipple wide receiver one. Yeah. Uh, good Lord, tired Jared, looking for word. Uh, he's going to benefit from being in Mark Whipple's system as the wide receiver one. Uh, yeah, and the 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 guy. Yeah, so obviously Whipple has produced Jordan Addison, and then he also produced Andy Isabella over at the when he was at UMass a few years back. So the, he loves he loves uh, 
featuring wide receivers that he can move around to different spots on the field. Yep. Uses like a chess piece, Trey Palmer, his speed, his uh, flexibility. He's He kind of fits that mold very well. Good pick by JD in the 14th round. Oh, 14th round, that's an absolute steal. I think I, I no. So 14th round was where I kind of messed up a little bit. And that's the one, that's where my auto pick came in. That's where I got Deshaun Fenwick, which is not a bad auto pick by any stretch of the imagination. Far worse ones to be out there. But I think I was aiming for Trey Palmer. And I think I got flustered when he got taken by, who took him? Uh, JD took him there. Yeah. I think I got flustered there a little bit. And that's when I was like, all right, I don't know which one of these guys I was, because I was expecting him to make it back to me there. And again, yeah. I, got, I got a little flustered. This is the life of live drafts. So that kind of covers the, the back end of it. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's all there. You can take a look at it. I'm sure there's plenty to comment down below. And if you, if you are listening to some podcasts, you can watch a YouTube version. You can also go check out John Lobb's article. He has the entire draft there in a table form for you to look at. So absolutely check it out there. We will hit up the um last sec segment of this here we're running a little over an hour right now so we'll kind of get through this a little bit quicker but nate and i'm just going to talk about our teams real quick and just do a little bit of roster building talk here and just talk about whether or not the teams we drafted would be something we'd be happy with kind of going into the season we'll start off with nate's team because he was at the 103 he came first in the draft so it only makes sense so nate talk about, talk to me about your team what do you think overall um do you think there's things you did really well, things you did poorly on. What do you think? Well, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm happy with my quarterback room. Um, you know, I got my, I got my QB one in Caleb Williams, uh, obviously based off other drafts, it was probably a little bit of a reach, but it, it was that spot where it's like, okay, I know he's not making it back around to me and he's the one I'm most comfortable with. So I'm just going to go ahead and take him there. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I like Schley, uh, Shook and Bonner seem like good, um, good values late in uh, in drafts like this, especially whenever we're talking about six points per passing touchdown. Those are really, really um, heavy pass uh, volume offenses. Uh, I would say my running backs, I was less, uh, I was definitely less um, pleased with as compared to my quarterbacks. Um, Mitch was uh, kind enough to uh, kind of snipe uh, Zach Charbonnet from me in round two. So that, that one kind of hurt my soul a little bit. And then, uh, and then Jordan Mims uh, was sniped right before me in round three. So uh, those were two guys that I had queued up. So that kind of hurt my running back room a little bit. And then some of my other guys is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of G5 type guys where I'm hoping for um, big breakout production guys like Corey Kiner that are, that are transferring over into a nice system. I will say, keep an eye on Blake Watson. I took him in the 12th round, but Fantrax still has him with wide receiver eligibility. So sure. just kind of think about that. If, if your draft is one of those drafts where things don't change and he's able to keep that wide receiver eligibility, he doesn't play wide receiver. He hasn't in over two years now. So um don't know why he has it, but he uh, he uh, if he's able to keep it is is really nice. Um, and then as far as my wide receivers, again, I have a lot of G five guys. I don't know how that happened and just started to kind of work out that way. But um, Josh Downs, I'm okay with in the second round. I don't love it. I, I was hoping Quentin Johnston or like you, Xavier Worthy, would fall in that situation, uh, but didn't work out for me. I will say, I'm a really really um, starting to kind of fall in love with Tyrese Chambers. 
I was kind of looking and, and I know Mike McIntyre who's coming over. He's the new uh, coach there at Florida International. I know he's not an offensive guy, but historically when he was at Colorado, not only did he produce LaVisca Chenault, um, who was a total unbelievable chess piece, but he, Nelson Spruce was also there under him at Colorado. And that dude had, I think, multiple 100 receiving, uh, 100 reception seasons. I mean, he put up monster numbers. And so I'm just like, I know their quarterback situation isn't great, but the quarterback situation usually wasn't great at Colorado. And those two guys still produce like, like bandits. So um, I could definitely see Tyrese Chambers um, blowing up a little bit there. So and then, and then the rest of my wide receivers were just guys that I, I thought could be kind of uh, max volume type guys, Malachi Corley, um, uh, Trayvon Rudolph, you know, those types of guys. Um, not stellar, but I, but I was okay with them in the spots that I got them. And then tied in, I got Sam Laporta late. Like I said, uh, I'd kind of just faded tight end altogether and then just took a, a guy that I felt like had decent value where I got him. He's, he's a top seven or eight tight end for me. So I was pretty pleased to, to be able to wait and him be the, I want to say like the second to last tight end off the board. Yeah. This is, there, there's, there's a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on your teams. First of all, I think you did a great job overall. Um, Corey Kiner, I really think is just an underrated piece at this point because yeah. Cincinnati went out of their way to scoop him up the moment he got into the transfer portal. They clearly like him a lot. They clearly want to use him, and they think that he is going to be their back of the future kind of going forward here. Um, and I don't think they're in love with guys like Charles McClellan or Ryan Montgomery. So to get a guy with the potential upside of like Jerome Ford in the ninth round here, and Jerome Ford went as the RB17 last year, I think yeah. grabbing Corey there is pretty fantastic stuff right there. I keep, uh, real quick on him, I keep waffling back and forth because we all talked about it. Hey, Cincinnati is that program that you think they were going to be in on all these transfer running backs. And then they they waited and waited. Finally, they got their guy with Corey Kiner. And I'm local with you. Too. What's that? I said a local guy, too. Right, right. And I, I think it's a great fit. But we said the same thing about Jerome Ford a couple of years ago. And he ended up being the RB2 there, his first season there. Uh, Jared Dokes was actually the guy that led the way. So I just a, – a small part of me wonders, does it does the same thing happen? Because nobody was clamoring about how great Jared Dokes was whenever Jerome Ford got there. Everybody just said, okay, this is Jerome Ford's job. But he ended up having to wait a year before it was his job. No, I think it's a, I, I, you know, I think it's a very, very fair point. Um but again, in ninth round, you're drafting backup running backs at that point. So yeah, if right. if it turns out Kiner's not the guy there, just go ahead and cut him. Especially if it's a redraft league, go ahead and cut him. Try again next year. Same thing, Dwayne McBride. Like Dwayne McBride last year, I think a lot of people were kind of a year early on him, uh, and I don't blame him because I thought he was the most talented running back in that room until they decided that Jermaine Brown. They wanted to try that experiment for as long as they could until they realized that there was no choice but McBride. Right. But uh, some of the other guys here, again, I, I am gushing over your QB room here. I think I would be very happy walking into a season like this. Trayvon Rudolph. Brandon has this idea that, like, Trayvon Rudolph is my guy, and that's because I sniped him from him in our Dynasty League. 
But, like, I'm not as high on Trayvon Rudolph as, like, some other people because he was going in, like, the seventh round in a lot of drafts, and I thought that was just a little too high. But him falling into the 11th here, I think some pretty nice value, and I would definitely be considering taking him about this late. Um, and then I'm with you completely on the tight end. If you miss out on those top four guys, Bowers, um, Bowers, Meyer, Trigg, Kuntz, wait. Just wait. You can grab... Probably your favorite guy after that group. You could probably wait until like the 14th, 15th round, even later than that. And you'll probably find a guy with a pretty decent amount of upside or a guy that you cut after two weeks because you realize that, hey, tight ends are fickle. Right. Um, and then you pick Pittsburgh DST there at the end. Is there any reason why you went for Pittsburgh or were you just kind of picking a DST? Um. Uh, really not not much <laughs> not much <laughs> no, not much it. analysis on that one. I waited till the very end because I, I in a mock I'm just not going to reach on a on a defense to be honest with you and uh, and they rush the quarterback like like crazy so they tend to get a, they tend to get a lot of sacks they tend to get um, some turnovers so I, I if I'm gonna wait 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 on on defense I'm gonna I want one that's going to create I, I, you know some some turnovers and sack points. All righty. Well, that's Nate's team. I would say Nate has a pretty good team going into the season if this was a real league. Uh, we'll go over to my team here. So first round went Deuce Vaughn. Second round, Xavier Worthy. Third round, Marvin Harrison Jr. Fourth round, Quinn Ewers. Fifth round, Michael Trigg. Sixth round, Isaiah Bowser. Garrett Schrader. Seventh round. My first seven rounds I loved. I felt very good about my first seven rounds. After that is where I started to kind of, again... Part of it was me trying to force myself to pick other guys that I normally wouldn't pick. But also, like, I just wasn't as in love with a lot of the picks I kind of made afterwards. Christopher Brooks and Tay McWilliams, I think, are two running backs I picked late that I think provide some nice upside there. Probably some low, um, maybe low ceiling, high floor guys that definitely would help me out there. But, man, I love the start. Like, if I could start a draft like I did those first seven rounds every single time, I would feel very good about myself going into any kind of season. Um, I did throw one name out there at the very end, and I think I am. I think some people might be hating me a little bit for this because I think some people wanted this to fly under the radar. But Keenan Christian, I, I spelled this name on, wrong on the graphic, so my apologies, Keenan. But he is a running back that has just transferred to uh, San Diego State. If I remember correctly, he's a four, former four-star running back that's now headed over there from USC. And so that strikes me as, a, again, you lose um, you lose Greg Bell from last year. That running back position is kind of open. Chance Bell is kind of who we assumed there as somebody who would take over that job. But them bringing in Christian, I think, is a little bit of an interesting kind of twist to what we thought was going to go on there this year. And so I think I just kind of threw that name out there as somebody to kind of consider going forward. One uh, Again, a system that has been known to produce good CFF running backs and a very talented guy all of a sudden there. So um, anything else I want to kind of touch on? Again, you're right, Nate. It was a mock. I probably shouldn't have reached for the Clemson DST in the ninth round. But again, it was more of I saw the Alabama DST come off the board. I'm just like, you know what? I don't really feel like being that person who's stuck trying to pick a DST at the very end. Uh, but again, you're right. It's a mock. I probably could have just handled it. Yeah. You uh, you look like, yes, I 100% agree that your first seven rounds were probably, you probably had my favorite roster uh, of anybody in the draft. Um, and then 
we've already talked about the Mario. I feel like in the round eight, when you took Mario Williams and then you took a defense, I was, it looked like it was like, Jared isn't sure what he wants to do here. And so he's, he's kind of throwing some darts here. Is that is what, is what it kind of looked like to mm-hmm. me. And then, and then it, but I, I get it. You're just trying to kind of mix it up a little bit. You want some, some, you want to roster some guys that you haven't rostered before. Um, I do, I do a lot of that too, that Corey Kiner was kind of one of those guys for me. So, and, and same with Malachi Corley. So um, yeah, your, your first half of your draft was uh, I thought uh, as about as good as you could pro- possibly do it. Yeah. Again. Keenan, oh, God. Oh, I was just going to say uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Keenan Kristen over there at, at uh, the transfer from USC to San Diego state. He's crazy fast, um, legit high-end track speed, um, one of the fastest guys in the country coming out. I don't know how good of a running back he is uh, just because he never really got much of an opportunity at, at USC. But I know if he can find a hole um, – You can take it to the house. It's going to be hard to catch. Yeah, he's just got to be able to find the hole. Very, very true. And again, like – I took Deshaun Fenwick in the 14th round, and I like Deshaun Fenwick. I, I, I just like the Oregon State running back room. Like, I think it's a, kind of one of those rooms I've just kind of fallen in love with over the past couple of years because it, it feels like they're always kind of forgot about, forgotten about. And I think maybe Fenwick, if it weren't for the Damian Martinez hype going on right now, and I'm guilty of driving that hype somewhat, um, I think he'd probably be going a little bit higher. But again, like it's kind of similar to how I kind of feel about the Shuck uh, Morton situation where I'm like, listen, Fenwick probably gets to start week one. And there's a de- there's a more than a decent chance that he just holds on the rest of the year, even if Damian Martinez, in my mind, is the more talented back and probably will be the better CFF asset to have um, in the years to come. But at least for this year, I'll take Fenwick and then figure out what's going on with Damian Martinez later. Because Damian Martinez probably isn't getting drafted in most leagues, and so I could pick him up off the waiver wire if things go wrong. Right. Yeah. So, overall, again, I love my first couple of rounds, but I definitely would be looking at my bench and being like, I don't love the idea of having to play any of these guys in, like, an early bye week uh, and trying to figure out who is actually valuable and who's not. So Yeah, I'm with you. All right, so that pretty much covers my team. Brings us to the end of our show. Nate, appreciate you always coming on, man. Uh, again, it was fun when I saw that both of us were invited into this. I'm like, ooh, we could we could like do like a live stream. Live stream didn't happen because, again, life got in the way. But we were able to come here and kind of analyze this draft round by round afterwards and able to analyze our teams a little bit. Tons of tons of fun stuff. So, Nate, do you want to uh, – first of all, before I do anything else, John Lobb, Thank you so much, sir, for putting this on. It is a pleasure to be a part of it. Uh, this is my second year doing the Sumakum Law draft. I hope to be a part of it for many, many years to come. It's always a blast every single year. You make quite the event out of it. Love it every single time. Uh, but Nate, uh, let the people know, first of all, where they can find you, but also let them know what are you working on now? Because you got your spring up or you got your stock up, stock down articles, but what else are you kind of working on, sir? Well, they can, everybody can find me at, uh, at CFF Nate on Twitter. Um, pretty active there. You can find uh, my articles on uh, campuscanton.com. So uh, yeah, we, we've talked about how I put out the, uh, the stock up, stock down post uh, spring reports. I did a pre-spring and now I've, I've followed that up with a post spring. So check those out. Um, a lot of guys that we just mentioned in this 
in this mock draft were, were, were brought up in that article. So uh, outside of that, uh, I got a couple of other articles that I'm, that I'm starting to kind of put the, you know, the ideas on, on paper now and, and just kind of figure some things out, but very early stages there. And other than that, uh, just working on uh, some things behind the scenes there at campus to Canton and, uh, and, and Jared's got big plans to roll it out. So just trying to, to do my part as a, as a cog in the wheel and, and, and give him as much information as he can. Hey, you're, you've been a fantastic part of this team, man. I, I, I consider us lucky to have, be able to have you as a part of it. And again, the behind the scenes stuff that Nate's talking about, we're hitting the ground running on that CFF guide. We're going to be bringing it to you guys in July. We're breaking down all 131 FBS teams. It's a massive undertaking. We're loving it. It's going to be a great time. We're also going to be providing some breakdowns for a lot of the top players for CFF going forward. So there's going to be fun stuff like that. And we're still figuring out all the different stuff we're going to include in the guide. It's going to be a great time. Absolutely check it out. Got a little surprise for you guys coming over, uh, later this week. One thing that I kind of wanted to do pretty much for the past kind of couple of months now is we part of what makes CFF charming is that we hype up a lot of the guys, a lot of these players that normally wouldn't get a ton of hype in the CFF or the, the CFB media. Like guys, we, we I mean, hell, we got the um, like we are we are gushing over the starting quarterback out of Louisville, and you can hardly hear about them and outside of any of the Louisville games on TV and stuff like that. But we love it. We got the the top wide receiver out of Kent State. We're taking him in the fourth round. We love guys like this. These are guys that nobody really ever talks about. And I have started the process of getting into contact with some of these more unique players that are kind of more unique to the CFF hype. And we're going to try to interview some of them. And so absolutely be on the lookout for later this week for the first edition of those kind of interviews going forward. I think you guys are going to very much enjoy that. So between that, the CFF guide, more Chase and Natty content coming for you guys. Got a lot of stuff coming for you guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in and dealing with tired Jared tonight because tired Jared is very tired now and also realizes he still has to edit this and put it all together. But even still, really appreciate you guys and y'all have a wonderful and blessed day. Have a good one. Cheers.